say, but um, I'm trying to figure out to be appropriate or or to be me. Uh, and uh, let's just do me, Mike. Okay, all right, okay. All right. No, I'm going to be appropriate today uh, just because uh, my heart is full for being here today. Um, you guys don't know just how much I miss you. Um, I... Um, I am certain about God's calling um, and for the work that we are currently doing, uh, but oftentimes, if any of you all have ever answered the call of God, you know that that does not mean that it is answered out of convenience or um, out of desire necessarily. Uh, at times, God shakes us up and disrupts us, and... Um, when we started this, I said unapologetically, like, this is where I retire from. And, um, and didn't know that um, there's still time. There's still time, Martin. Come on, come on. There's still time. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. Come on, come on. Um, yeah, and so, uh, so, so, so many things I could go on. Um, just to share about how much I, I miss being here, miss seeing your faces, miss the conversations. Um, uh, I love where I am. It's the church where I grew up, where I found Christ, where I found my wife. Um, uh, but they don't drink coffee like we do. And um, and so it's kind of rough, you know. I ask people, let's go grab coffee, and they're like, why? And I'm like, what do you mean? Why? It's coffee. That's what you're supposed to do, drink coffee. Drink coffee, talk about Jesus and life as well. And so, um, so you know, there, there's a number of things that's there. Um, but thinking about six years, um, we, we ventured out. Matt and I was relatively new to getting to know one another. And um, in the midst of what we thought at that point in time was a tumultuous season, we felt God's heart uh, to bring us together for the purposes of ministry. And, um, and I was sharing with someone just, uh, just last week that I'm absolutely positive that, um, well, the story's still being written, but what we've done up to, and I'm saying we intentionally, what we've done up to this point uh, has been healing for many. Um, yeah. It was necessary uh, for some specific times and situations that we were experiencing as a nation, as a community, uh, that people found a place where they could be at home, uh, feel safe and protected, and knowing that, um, that God was in the midst of it. So I love you guys for continuing on. Uh, I know that there has been, for all of us, uh, a number of challenges that has come up. Uh, but man, six years means so much more uh, other than just another 365 days around the sun considering where God has brought us from. So happy anniversary, One Church, man. Happy anniversary. Well, today I want to share with you something that uh, is on my heart that I hope that will connect with you. Um, one of the things, for those of you all who know my family and I, we are uh, lovers of comic books and superheroes. And, um, and so uh, as I was thinking about this season um, that uh, one church is in, it, it lined up perfectly with one of my favorite movies that's out right now. My favorite superhero of all time is Spider-Man. Uh, I have been Spider-Man since I was eight years old, and uh, I love him, the story of Peter Parker, and so of course, um, 
this latest movie by Marvel, No Way Home, Spider-Man No Way Home has spoken to me, and I want to share with you specifically that No Way Home. No Way Home. So if you would, join me real quickly in the book of Genesis, chapter 32, um, and we'll read from verses 22 through 32. Reading from the New International Version, Genesis chapter 32. Beginning at verse 22, that night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because of the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. No way home. Now, if by chance you've yet to see the movie, I'm going to do my best as to not give any spoilers. But if I do, I'm sorry. You should get there a little bit sooner. Um, I can't help it. Uh, because you know what happens, man. When you see a good thing, you want to tell everybody about it. And so I do want to have conversations about Spider-Man because I love it so much. And so, But I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best not to spoil the movie entirely for you. Uh, at the close of the last Spider-Man movie, Far From Home, what happened is Peter Parker was exposed by the villain as being Spider-Man, and he was painted as the villain uh, of the day. Ultimately, we know that that's not the case, but uh, in order to... Um, to to uh, push Peter to the margins, to disrupt his existence. Uh, the villain of that one did so, and he is forced uh, to deal with the fallout, which is what this one is primarily about. Um, what happens then, the kind of crux of this film is that as a result, one of the major themes that Peter Parker is trying to do is to clear his name and in doing so, he makes some very desperate decisions uh, that impacts not only his life, but the lives of those around him. One quick thing before we move forward, my brothers and sisters, whether or not you know it, we ought never make decisions out of desperation. Uh, when we make decisions out of desperation, when life deals you a blow, one of the last things you need to do is make a, la uh, a major life decision when you're not fully thinking clearly. Uh, you don't have to take my word for it. Some of you live every day with the results of a desperate situation. You can look at your bank account. You can look at your credit score. Some of you all are raising the results of a desperate situation. That's inappropriate, but I mean it. This is kind of the results of our life, right, that we are experiencing. We find ourselves in desperate situations, and oftentimes because of a lack of trust in God, we make decisions in our own power, oftentimes forcing other people to deal with the collateral damage. When you feel painted into a corner and the only thing you know how to do is fight your way out, one of the things that we've always got to remember is that 
the Lord told us that the battle belongs to him. The Lord told us that he would never leave us nor forsake us. He has never forgotten his promises. His strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. We need to know that that's the same God today. It's the same God yesterday, and his promises still ring true on today. In the movie, what's happening essentially is Peter Parker is trying to make his way back home. Now, when we say that, when you see the word, the word home there in the title, it's not talking about a physical location. Because when you watch the movie, you see that Peter actually spends an enormous amount of time at his physical home. But home's not a physical location. According to Dr. Mark Laberton, he says this, that home is a place where you feel safe and welcome. It is a place where we have a sense of groundedness, where you feel stable and steady. So you could be at home, but not necessarily be at the place where you lay your head. For some of you all, you go back to your hometown because that's the place where you feel stable and grounded. For some of you all, there are relationships that remind you of home, where you feel stable and steady. But now here we are, all of us, going into this third calendar year of this global pandemic. I feel like that's where many of us are, that we are trying to find our way home. We feel we have no way home. And I know that you go to a place every day in which you live, but just like Peter Parker, you're looking for a place where you feel safe, welcome, and grounded, and it seems almost impossible to feel grounded in the instability of this current reality that we live in. And now in this pandemic, now perhaps even an endemic, it has prohibited many of us from feeling grounded, from feeling settled and safe. It seems like just when we get the least bit of comfortability in this time, it seems like something else within this pandemic raises up and disrupts our existence. We are now, according to this date, when we're here today, we're about 800, close to 890,000 deaths of COVID-19. And if that were not enough, the city in which we live in is suffering tremendously from violence and destruction all over the city. And if that were not enough, our local politicians are doing things, trying to strip people from their rights and freedoms. We live in a world today where as if we are Nazi Germany, where they are banning books. What type of reality do we live in? And if that were not enough, the, the, the ones who live in uh, on Capitol Hill or work on Capitol Hill are busy doing so much infighting that they forget about the people who have actually sent them there. And it seems like just when we get comfortable enough to figure out our grab our bearings to be stable and grounded, something else shakes up our existence and we feel like we are not home. And with all of that, Many of us have this feeling as though we cannot find rest. We feel unsettled. You find it difficult to focus. Your anxiety is at an all-time high. It's riding your back as a jockey rides a horse. And your spiritual life, as a result, has suffered. You don't know what to pray. You don't know how to pray. You don't know if God is speaking. You're wondering if he's even present at all. What I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, about our God is that the God that we serve, the reason why we're gathered to here today celebrating six years of one church is because the God that we serve thrives in moments and times like this. God does not just is not just present here, but it's moments like which we live in. If we look historically, God thrives in this season. And I want you to know that the same God that we read about is able, capable, and willing to thrive in this moment that we find ourselves in today. Look at our focal character today, Jacob, and you see for certainty that he knows what it feels like 
to not be able to find his way home. When we meet him here in a passage that we're focusing on today, it's actually Jacob could no longer handle being there in the space alongside of his uncle, and he figures, just like Peter Parker, um, it's, it's time for me to figure out how to get back home. When we meet Jacob here, now he's in a route. He's hoping to make it back home, and this encounter here that Jacob has is a unique space. It's, it's the space like which you and I currently reside in. It's, it's a different and difficult space. It is, um, it's the space where you're not where you once were, but you're not quite where you hope to be. Um, there's a word for that that I want to introduce maybe some of you all to, and many of you all here, forget I'm at one church, there's intelligent people here, so, but there's a word that speaks to this, where Jacob is, where many of us are today, it's called a liminal space, say liminal space. Yeah, the liminal man say you gotta space. talk to me today, talk to me, talk to me. It's a liminal space, it's like being stuck in the in-between. It comes from a word that means threshold. So if you're standing in the threshold of a door, you're not quite inside, but neither are you quite outside. It's the in-between. For instance, uh, a doorway, the threshold, is a liminal space. Uh, a, a mother who is pregnant is in a liminal space because you're not quite experiencing all that is of motherhood and raising a child, but you're right on the threshold of becoming that. Weddings are liminal spaces. You're not quite husband and wife, but you're right on the doorsteps of it. Um, if you're at work, the break room at your job is a liminal space because you're kind of at work, but not quite at work. It's a break space, a dedicated space. Liminal spaces themselves are opposite of home. If home is settled, liminal spaces are unsettled. But here's the key. If you're going to get home, you're going to have to go through a liminal space. Say that Come one more time. on now. If you are going to get home, you're going to have to go through a liminal space. It is impossible, my sisters and brothers, to get home without going through a liminal space. There is always a threshold that you have to cross. I feel like that's where we've been over the last couple of years, right? We've been in this liminal space. Now, it may not be as deadly as it once was in March of 2020, but my God, we still ain't quite up out of this thing, and it seems like it keeps rearing its ugly head up. We're in this in-between season trying to figure out where we hope Amen. to be. But thank God we're not quite where we used to be. Dr. Carmen Imes, whom I got this idea from in a beautiful book, she talks about this in the Old Testament in Exodus. She describes the wilderness story as a liminal space. And she says this. She says, liminality is temporary but can be prolonged. Therefore, we ought never treat a liminal space as something we're just trying to pass through because it is a workshop for our becoming one. It is the Amen. workshop. Yeah, there you go. One over everybody else's head, Mike. Mike. These spaces are temporary, but they change us, and they are oftentimes moments and periods of isolation, separation, where we can hear the voice of God. I wonder who I'm talking to today. 
not even thinking about the collective, but you and your individual life. You found yourself in a period of liminality. You're in a liminal space. You're trying to figure out how to get to where God is leading you. You know, you're so grateful, man. The old Baptist saints used to say back in the day, I'm not what I'm all to be, but I'm better than what I used to be. Thank God I'm getting better all the time. You find yourself in that space where you look back and you recognize, man, I've done some growing, but when I look ahead, I still got more growth to do. I'm still trying to hear God more and more. I'm trying to get better connected. I'm hoping to hear his voice. I'm hoping to serve well. I'm looking to be everything that God has created me to be but I find myself on the threshold of something where I'm not quite there. But remember, You're preaching good, sir. It's supposed to be temporary, but they can be extended. And if the wilderness was a temporary or a liminal space for Israel, let's remember Israel dwelt in that liminal space for 40 years. We're talking about not even quite two years in our liminal space, and we act like God has left us. When we read scripture in the book of Exodus, we know that God was with them the entire time in their liminal space, working through them, meeting them where they are, teaching them lessons so that they could become the people that God called them to be. What we need to know is this. There is a reason why we are where we are right here. And y'all know me. I did not come here to lie to y'all today. I'm not one of those prophets going to tell you that the reason why we're in this is because A, B, C, and D. I don't think anybody knows. But what I do know is that there is a lesson that God has for us individually, and there's a lesson for us that God has collectively and that we've got to come together in prayer co connecting as best as we can to figure out God what are you saying what are you doing and this has been my challenge to people as best as I can over the last couple of years there is no way that you ought to be the same person you was in uh, before 2020 that you are today you should have grown to some point becoming more and more who God called you to be if you are not better as God has slowed the world down giving you the opportunity to study to pray to read to get closer not only to God but to your family to your loved ones in your environments if you've waken up in 2022 and you are not better than where you were back in 2020 then my God you have wasted your liminal space and one of the reasons why perhaps this space has been our time has been extended is because God still wants something to do or has something to do wants to teach us something in these times and so for you and I the question that we still must ask is what is this liminal space and what is it that we still have to learn from what haven't I learned from this season in this global pandemic what haven't I learned from my divorce? What haven't I learned from my job loss? What is it that I've yet to learn that God is still trying to teach me? One church has been six years. And um, you've survived a myriad of challenges just over the last two years. Not even talking about disruptions within leadership. I'm talking about a number of things. And I don't need to run a litany of things down to you. You know what it's been. But there's a reason. There's something that God wants to speak to you in this time. And let me tell you this. What God does not want from you is a testimony that we survived. Because when God delivers people out of the liminal spaces, never is the testimony survival. When he delivered Israel out of the wilderness after 40 years, it was not about survival. They then entered into a land that was flowing with milk and honey. Every time that you come out of a liminal space, there is blessings on the other side. So the testimony after six years is not that we made it. 
There's a lot of people who made it, and there's a lot of people who have not made a difference where they are. The testimony for one church is in the midst of this liminal, uh, um, liminal space, here's what we've done. We've maximized the moment and we paid down our debt. We've maximized that, and now we're becoming more generous. We are doing the best that we can with what God has given us to ensure that when we come out of this, God has created Amen. a people, developed a people who are willing and able to be used by him for, for whatever purposes that he's calling us to. Jacob now finds himself in this space, and for some reason he makes sure that his family and all of his possessions cross the river, and Jacob stays back. Now, in reading this, there's a lot of speculations as to why he let his family go across the river and he stayed there. And I don't want to rehash why the scholars suggest. I just want to share with you one of the reasons why I believe it to be true. I believe that Jacob remembered something. I believe that Jacob remembered 20 years prior to this moment when once more he was on this same road but headed to the other direction. When he was escaping, uh, his brother Esau headed to Laban's house. And right there at that time on this very same road, Jacob met God. He met God and he named the place in that encounter Bethel. And maybe Jacob recognizes that the last time he heard the Lord speak to him was clearly when he found himself isolated in a liminal space. So he sends his family ahead and he seeks to encounter God. So Jacob was not only returning home, but what we see is that Jacob was returning to God. And I know that um, we're still in the midst of this new year, but please don't let it be a cliche that for some of us, that still has to be the journey. We've got to figure out how to return to God. Some of us are living in a space of trying to find our way home. We need to learn from Jacob and figure out where was the last time that you met God and returned there. For Jacob, he remembered he met God at Bethel, which means what? The house of God. And at this moment, what he needed more than anything else was to be in the house of God. There are a lot of things that he was hoping for, but what Jacob recognized is that when he met God 20 years ago, he didn't meet God simply on a road. He met him at Bethel at the house of God. And Jacob reflected, when I needed God the most, God showed up for me. Where? At the house of God. Now, I know that we are intelligent people, and I know that we tell ourselves, man, in all of our readings and blogs and stories and books and YouTube pages and all these scholars of the day who suggest that you don't need to be in the house of God, in the church, to have a relationship with God. That's true. That's true. But for some reason, the Bible speaks about the importance of the house of God speaks about the importance of the house of God. We see it all throughout scripture. We see the Bible talks about it, that Jesus, he went to the temple, which was his custom, because the house of God clearly was important to Jesus. And I don't know about you, if it's important to Jesus, then perhaps it ought to be important for us. Paul talks about forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. For some reason, Paul said it's important that you come to the house of God so that we could spur one another on toward love and good works. The house of God God is essential. It is important. The early church gathered there daily. We talk about gathering for an hour, hour and a half, two hours sometime, and we think it's a big deal. The early church, the church at its best, the church at its finest gathered every day because the house of God was essential to what they believed God was working and doing through them. And Jacob has been reminded in this moment where clearly he's been distant from God and separated, but now after 20 years, what God, uh, what Jacob has recognized, that if I am going to walk out of this liminal space, I've got to do it in 
the house of God. My brothers and sisters, if you are going to reconnect to God and see what God has for you, you've got to make sure that you come to the house of God. There's something special about these holy environments that the Lord has allowed us to come to, to collect to. The house of God is a special place, man. It's mean a lot to me. It's meant a lot to me. I don't know about you. I found my Lord and Savior in the house of God. I met my bride in the house of God. We had a baby and blessed and baptized her in the house of God. Jesus changed my life around in the house of God. And I'm saying that it's my testimony, but I'm not the only one because I'm looking at some people behind your mask where you're giving me some amens because in the house of God, you were saved, you were delivered, your life was transformed, you were changed, and it all happened not at your home. It happened in the house of God. So Jacob now positions himself to have an encounter with God. And you know what happens? God meets him there. Jacob puts himself in the position to meet God. And when he was in the position to meet God, God shows up for Jacob exactly where Jacob needed him to be. Might it be that perhaps part of the reason why many of us have not quite earned from the season what it is that we've been looking for is that we have not properly positioned ourselves to have an encounter with God. Look what Jacob did. He let everybody else go, all his family, all his possessions, everybody, and he isolated himself because he recognized this moment right here isn't about you, it's about me. And that I've got to do what I've got to do for me so that I can have the encounter with God that God needs for me. For some of us, man, what are the distractions in your life? The people that you need to push away, the places where you spend too much time. What is it that you do on a day-to-day -day basis where it gets in the way of you encountering God? We all have something. Yeah, man, Netflix, man, what we've been doing, man, listen, I've got a friend, uh, Matt knows him since the pandemic, he says, not only have I finished Netflix, he says, I finished Netflix, he says, I finished Netflix, I finished Amazon Prime, I finished Hulu, he says, and I'm working my way through every stream, so I'm going to finish them all. If that's what you've been doing over the last two years, you've been perhaps wasting some essential moments to have time alone with God. But here's what I love about this. He lets them go ahead so that he can encounter God. They crossed over to where he hoped to be and he remained back because clearly Jacob recognized it's not yet my time to be there. It's not time for me to cross over. Sometimes we've got to bless other people to go ahead so that we might stay behind and receive what God has for us. Sometimes you got to cheer people on, bless them and what God's doing for them, because clearly in this moment right here, God's not through with you yet. And since God's not through with you, what you don't want to do is get ahead of your season. And sometimes you've got to do a good job of cheering, celebrating people, making sure that you do your best to help see people move ahead so that as they are prospering, you're not jealous, nor are you distracted, nor are you uh, dealing with comparison. You know, comparison is the thief of joy. You're not worried about those things. You're letting them. God bless you. I see what God is doing, man. Listen, I know my season's going to come. you got to let some people go ahead so that you might remain behind and let the Lord do what he needs to do for you. All right, that didn't come clear. Okay, in, in the movie, in the movie Back to Spider-Man, here's what happened. Um, as Spider-Man was, uh, was trying to figure out how to get back home, um, he made a decision out of desperation, and as a result, there were some people who were pretty bad off. 
and Spider-Man saw their issue, their trouble, and he puts his issue on the back burner and recognizes that I can't really get to where I need to be if I don't first help them get to where they can become. In order for me to truly appreciate what God's doing for me, I got to make sure that I help some other people along the way. And what happened then is that he reaped the benefits of that blessing by helping them. There was some deliverance that happened. There was some trouble that happened. But there were some people who received a tremendous blessing by making sure that they were taken care of and putting his own issues on the back burner. Here's what you need to know. Just because God has called you to this period of isolation, that is not a license to be inconsiderate, individualistic, and irresponsible, and insensitive to the needs of people we got to bless people wherever we are. All right, I got to move on because Matt told me he preaches for like 12 minutes. And so I, I told him I can't, I can't even say good morning in 12 minutes. And so um, <laughs> Jacob meets God, but not in the way that he hoped. I love this. God will meet you where you pursue him, but that doesn't mean that God's going to show up the way that you want him to. God shows up, but just not the way that Jacob hoped. Oftentimes, God comes and completely, this is what I talked about earlier, disrupts your entire environment. Do I have anybody in here today who knows what it's like to be a disruptive people? Where you had a plan, you know that God was speaking. Is there anybody on the stream today in the Zoom room where you, you knew that you uh, was headed towards the purposes of God and God shook up your entire situation and disrupted all the plans that you had and now you find yourself trying to figure out, God, how did I get here? How did I get out? I never thought that I would be here. God, I thought that if I properly postured myself, put myself in the right position and for your presence, that you would put me exactly where I needed to be. I never thought that even then I'd find myself stuck. Listen to me. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's God. But just because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, he doesn't want you to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jacob meets God on this road 20 years ago, but what God wants to make sure in this reuniting that the Jacob that goes forward is not the same Jacob that was on the road 20 years ago. God wants to pull something different out of Jacob. Okay, I'm not making it up. It's right here in the text. Here's what happens. Um, Jacob, God meets Jacob, and they begin wrestling, right? It says that he wrestled with God all night. That's, first of all, that's got to be exhausting. Um, uh, since, since you guys last seen us, we have a, we have a new grandbaby. Um, and, uh, man, um, yeah, I love that kid, man. He's, he's special. Um, uh, a friend of mine told me this, and I amened it so loud, you would have thought I was in church. He said, grandkids are better than kids. I said, amen. Amen. All <laughs> oh, the grandparents just broke out in praise. Hallelujah. <laughs> but man, he's, he's 11 months, and I mean, since the moment that he came out, he's had endless energy. And, um, and so I, I like to get him excited, but I'm only good for about 30 seconds. 
And then I'm like, okay, uh, Landon Pops is tired, and he don't know no better. He's 11 months. He just wants to jump and jump and jump and jump. And oftentimes I'm like, okay, where's your auntie? Where's Deja? Just, just listen, can you occupy him for a couple minutes? Let me grab my breath. I mean, because it, it's, it's hard. I'm thinking if, I, if it takes me two minutes after being with an 11-month-old, Jacob wrestled with God all night? How do you wrestle with God all? How do you wrestle all night? Not only with God, but you wrestle all night. That has to be something wrong. But then I thought about Jacob's life. Jacob's life has been nothing but wrestling and fighting. He, he fought his, his daddy. He fought his brother. He fought his uncles. This is all he's ever done. He's just fought, 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 fought. And now here he is in this liminal space on this threshold of his deliverance. And rather than receiving, he's wrestling once again. Now, when we read this, we get caught up on one thing. We celebrate the fact that the Bible says that Jacob um, overcame the wrestling match, right? We, we love that. That, you know, he changes his name, God says, change your name to Israel because you have fought with humans and you fought with God and you have overcome. Uh, now, not going to go into it a lot, but that does not literally mean that he beat God. Uh, because the reality is we know that if God truly wanted to wrestle Jacob, it would have been over before it started. So this wasn't about him overcoming a wrestling match against Jehovah. What I want you to know is this. If you can tell me one thing that was different about Jacob from when he started wrestling with God to when he finished wrestling with God, one thing that improved with Jacob. He wrestled with God all night. God changed his name. But what was better about Jacob after the wrestling match? It's not a pop quiz. It's real easy. Nothing. The same Jacob he was the night before was the same Jacob he was just with a new name the day, uh, uh, the day after. Which shows this. I believe what God was trying to teach Jacob is this. You've been fighting your whole life and yet you're still the same broken man that you were 20 years ago. You're still fearful of your brother the same way that you were 20 years ago. You're still running the way that you were 20 years ago. And so what God does for Jacob is he shows Jacob that after 20 years, you still have not proven yourself. You still have not gotten better. And so what God does then is he takes this same broken and fearful man who's fearful of returning home to his brother, who's used to fighting, and rather than allowing Jacob to keep fighting, he puts Jacob in a position to where he can no longer fight again, but that he has to be a recipient of what God was doing. What this means for us is that instead of us always working to prove ourselves, always trying to be an overcomer, how about we learn how to enter into this new season, learning what it means to be overcome by the Lord? But there are some things that I believe the Lord doesn't want you to carry into this next season that you can't cross the river with. And so you're wrestling, and God's like, I'm going to let you wrestle, but after you finish fighting, when you wake up, nothing's going to change. You're still going to be in the same place. So God is allowing us to fight over and over again until finally we are broken and we recognize I have no more fight left in us. God saw that in Jacob, so since Jacob didn't get the lesson, God hit him in his, and separated his hip, and now Jacob is really broken. A.W. Tozer says it like this, the Lord can't fully bless a man until he first conquers him. 
So the Bible says that right there, he blessed him there. It says he, he blessed him there. Now this is significant because God promised him that he was going to bless him many years back in Laban's home. And you would think that he was living that blessing because he's got possessions, prosperity, wives, family, but that wasn't the case. We don't see Jacob being blessed by God until he's here. So clearly the blessing was the brokenness so that Jacob could no longer be who he thought he was. All right, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not coming clear. Okay, um, and, and I, I got to finish up. Um, Jacob's name means trickster supplanter, right? Um, here's the question. Who gave Jacob his name? His family did. He didn't call himself that. Other people did. And so for however long he's been alive up until this point, what he's been doing is living up to the names that other people call him. He's been the trickster because people said that he was. He's been a deceiver because they called him a deceiver. Finally, when God blesses him, Jacob recognizes that I no longer have to be what they've called me. I can now be who God called me to be. I can now be once was a trickster, but now I'm delivered from that. I'm an overcomer. I once was a thief. Now I am a recipient of the blessings of God. I once was one who supplanted and deceived others. Now I am one who can walk and limp faithfully into the leadership with God. And because now Jacob's got a new name, a new walk, and a new relationship with God. He's got a new name. I am no longer who and what you call me. I am now what God says I am. He's got a new walk. Although his name has been changed, he now walks with a limp. And he ran for years and years, over 20 years trying to get there, but now he's healed with a limp. He's walking with a limp, but when you see his limp, actually what you're discovering is his victory. When you see him limping, you're seeing the victory. I'm talking to somebody today who, when people see you, they think that they're seeing your issue when they're actually seeing how God has worked some things out from you. Yes, it may not look as well as other people. Maybe I don't show up the way that other people do. But when you see me, you see an expression of God's faithfulness and how he's brought me through some things. I may walk with a limp, man, but my lip has been blessed by God. I may be limping, but I'm limping into my new destiny. One church, six years is for a church plant a long time. But it's not the end of the story. And as you are discovering and listening and leading and hearing what God wants to say and do in this liminal season, Here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to listen to God's voice in this liminal season. To let no man, no woman, no boy, no girl, no culture, no society divine, define who one church is. You are who God says you are. And as you begin working your way into this next season, here's what I believe. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. 
and neither has it entered into the hearts of men. The things that God's going to do through this ministry, through this church. And I love you guys so much for sticking to it. Because your story is still very much so my story. And I'm so grateful, man, that you're being faithful to God's call. Let us pray. Eternal God, we love you. We thank you so much for your faithfulness. God, speak, move, heal, deliver, change, transform. Let your perfect will be done in each and every one of us that we may experience the fruitfulness of your love. I thank you, God, for six years for this wonderful church and ministry. And I pray, Lord, for 60 more. God, that you do a great work in and through them. That generations are changed. That people experience you more. Thank you, God.